Well, it is Father's Day, and so I'm wearing some really goofy tie I'm supposed to do every year. So this is the goofy tie. It's a, a Tickle Me Elmo tie. And I forgot it was Father's Day this weekend, and so um, I have changed, as you can see on the front row anyway, I have changed all my illustrations to include my children, um, since they're making me wear an ugly tie. So, <laughs> I'm the boss, all right? They should know that by now. There is an astonishing story in First um, Kings chapter 3 of a visitation by God himself to the young and new King Solomon. It's astonishing because God comes to him in a dream, and he says to Solomon, ask what you will of me, anything, and I'll give it to you. And so Solomon says, oh, great Lord, God Almighty, he says, you have been so generous to my father David and have been gracious to me to allow me to be king. But I am but a little child, and you have made me king over your great and chosen people, and there are more of them than there is dust on the earth. So, Lord, give me this. Give me discernment so that I might know how to govern your people. This is what I want. Give me wisdom. God liked that prayer. Look what, <laughs> look what it says in verse 12. And I will do what you ask. This is God speaking. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be anyone like you as wise as Solomon. And that was the case until Christmas morning, right? I mean, he has only been passed by Jesus himself, the wisest man that has ever lived outside of Jesus, Solomon. And he wrote a book, a book of wisdom. It's called Proverbs. We're studying it this summer. It's called Trade Up. And we're studying it together. And we're, you're, you're gonna, if you're just new, this first, first week, you need to watch the last two episodes of Trade Up and get the cards we're using. We're, we're, the way we're going through Proverbs is we're studying the personality profiles and Trade Up. The idea is tra these are trading cards. You'll need to get some of those. We'll print some more of that first week for you. But there's some, the, the last, this week and last week are in the courtyard or in the foyer and in your bulletin. Uh, if you find, by the way, it, uh, we have to put them in the bulletin, but they're so well made, they fall out pretty easily. So if you find them on the ground, if you would mind picking them up and, like, turning them into the visitor center or whatever, okay? So why are we studying Proverbs? Because, well, because it's, it's the way to live life. It's, uh, it's like the shortcut route to success. It's a little bit, sometimes when you read Proverbs and you follow Proverbs, it feels like you're cheating. Because you don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. You, you, kind of, you can just learn from everyone else and then live your life accordingly. Now, last week, let me just review. Last week, we, we, we studied the two most general personality types. And they're the, the, the two categories that all the personalities are going to fall into. The, it's, one of them is called the wise guy, and the other one is called the fool. Now, the wise guy, he's over here. There's several categories of wise guys, but the wise guy, the hand sign, we're doing hand signs because it's supposed to be memorable. That's the way this book is written. And the wise guy was like this because that's the way the wise guys in the movie The Sting did it. 
And the wise person loves wisdom, pursues wisdom, will pay whatever it costs for wisdom because you don't pay for wisdom, you pay for being a fool. It's more precious than gold. It's, got a, it's more beautiful than silver. So that was the wise person over here. We want to be that person. And over here, there was a category called the fool. And the fool, that's what he looks like. And we just go like this. We say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Because the fool doesn't care for wisdom. He thinks he knows everything. And so you can't tell him much. You can try, but he's just going to say or she's going to say, yeah, right. Now, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the two extremes of the fools. All these others are under the umbrella of fools now. And the two extremes of fools are uh, what would be the naive person. I guess the naive would be closer to the wise person. The naive person over here and then the scoffer or the mocker. Okay? The simpleton or the mocker. That's what we're going to look at today. Um, uh, a great summary of these two extremes can be found in chapter 1, verse 22. Look what it says. How long, O simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish in your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? So what's the point? He's saying, you don't have to stay a simpleton. How long you want to stay there? You don't want to be a mocker. He's saying, trade up. He wants you to trade up. So let's look at our personalities for this week. The first one is the simpleton. In, in a word, the simpleton is naive. Um, in Hebrew, sometimes it's translated as gullible. It is a person, by the way, we're, we're all simpletons. We're all naive as, when we're young because everything's new. And then even as adults, when we're going into something new, we are simple about it, right? So we're, we're gullible in that way. Now, uh, in, a, in a concrete definition of the word in Hebrew, it's kind of fun because it can, it can lead to uh, the words open and wide. The simple person is open and wide. When you think open wide, picture a small child, right, that he's just open wide, you know, and it's like open wide, here comes the applesauce, which is great, which is great, under parental supervision. Right? And then the, and the little guy gets down on the ground, and, and, then, and then he sees like an old Cheerio on the ground, and you go, uh, open wide. But it's Father's Day, so the guy goes, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. I'd, I'd eat that Cheerio too. <laughs> but he's an eight-month-old, so he goes over there. He's headed to, uh-oh, he's go, head to the cat food. And so open wide, he eats the cat food. Eh, well, you know, I, honestly, I actually have eaten cat food, so what? And then he's off to the litter box, open wide. Point is, gullibility can cost you. And one of the Proverbs literally says your, your, your naivete can even cost you your life. And what's true for the body of a little eight-month-old that keeps saying open wide is true for the soul. You, you have to be discerning before you choose your friends because we saw that your friends will start choosing who you're, you're going to be. Who, who you, have to, you can't just open wide and date anyone. You can't just open wide and pick a career because maybe it makes money or something. That's not how to live a life. So the hand sign for the, the simpleton is to get our eyes wide open and we put our hand on our head and we say, I did not know that. Can we do that? Can we put our hands on our head open, or open wide? I did not know that because that's the way they live their lives. Uh, we, we have the caricature here as a zombie because um, have, I don't know much about zombies, but apparently zombie brains are uh, pretty empty. So that was, that's the motif for that. I think if we had to do it again, I would absolutely pick Pinocchio. This 
Pinocchio, when we've done this before in our household, Pinocchio was required reading at our house in sixth grade and in ninth grade. And if you're thinking Disney, you've not read Pinocchio. This is a German tale, you know, like Goldilocks, German folk tale. It's pretty dark. And we made our children read Pinocchio in sixth and ninth grade because Pinocchio is a simpleton. And, he, and he's always looking for opportunities to die. And, and the reason is, is because the simpleton um, doesn't filter or discern advice. That's the definition of a, of a simpleton is there's no like weighted average or weighted um, heavy on people that are wise versus people that are scoundrels. And so he's, he's taken away by people because he's just so wide open. And it le- le- nearly leads to ruin several times. I would seriously encourage you to read the real Pinocchio if you get a chance and read it to your children. Because the idea is, is that some people don't know better and they, and they don't know how to follow advice. Look at, did I say the essential trait here is, for the simpleton, is uh, this lack of discernment. Only simpletons believe everything that they're told. The prudent carefully considers their step. So the simpleton leaps and then he looks and the prudent says, no, 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 let's look before we leap. And again, let me just say, when you're young and new at something, of course you're going to be naive and simple. Um, the first time, uh, Carrie, our, our middle child, uh, her car broke down in the heat of August one time. It overheated. And she called me and said, hey, can you come get me? We're on the side of the road. We're in a lot of trouble here. It's so hot. I can't believe this. I said, well, where are you? And she said, oh, I can see a sign, uh, a road sign. It says uh, Capital Texas Highway, Loop 360. I said, okay. So I'm driving up and down Capital Texas Highway for 30 minutes. At, at some point, the windows are down like she's a lost dog. I'm screaming, Carrie, Carrie. And then I keep calling her, no, the sign says that. And then finally I said, read me the whole sign. And she says, uh, exit soon, capital of Texas Highway, Loop 360. I said, so you're on 183, aren't you? Yeah, I guess I am. She didn't know, right? I, I didn't know. First time my son went for a drive when he was 16, he was going to Leander. It turns out that Leander rhymes with Lano. <laughs> and he drove until he ran out of gas. And he didn't have any money. And so he's begging a person working at the 7-Eleven there if he could borrow $5 to get back on the highway. He said, so where's Leander? And she said, oh, Leander, you... That's a long way from where you've been, friend. But you know what? Wide open. He he didn't know that. First time Amy drove her car, the very first time she drove her car, when I I taught her driving and I said, there's nothing more dangerous than a left turn. Do you understand that? That's where people die, left turn into oncoming traffic. We are at the bottom of our street. I'm in the passenger side, and she pulls right out in front of someone, left turn, you know, enough about her, but it could have hurt me. You know what? She didn't know that, you know. She's new at driving. When you're new at something, you're a simpleton, right? And you're naive. But it could cost you. It could cost you everything. Here, here, but here's the best news about simpletons. Again, pe- young people are simple. We're all simple in areas we haven't done. But here's the best news. Easy to change. How do you change a simpleton? Look what it says. Flog a mocker and a simple, and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke a discerning man, and he will gain knowledge. 
flog a mocker. That's who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the simple will learn. So what you do, if you're simple in some area or you have a child that's simple, you find someone else that's not, that's a mocker, a scoundrel. We'll see them later on, a scoffer. And you find what road they're on. And then you find out that they're much farther down that road, and, they, and you just say, look down that road, look where it leads, friend. You don't have to go down the road to see the consequences. See, you, you can find someone that's greedy or vain or, or committed to popularity or whatever you might be into or your child might be into, and then you just walk them to that person and say, that's, that's a mocker that's getting beat with their consequences and say, there it is. Get out your high school yearbook and say, son, you need to know Bill Johnson's name. This guy is where you're going. He's in prison because he wanted everyone to like him. Now, are you going to learn or are you going to have to learn things the hard way? Find somebody that's at rock bottom. Let them pay the bills and let the naive watch. I mean, if you think about practical teenage education, it's all over the place because a teenager, by definition, is a simple person in, parent, in adulting, right? They're, by definition, right, they're just like, they're new at adulting and they're new at decisions and they're new at the consequences of them. And so what do we do in, in the education system? Uh, for example, during prom week, I mean, you'll see high schools, they'll do this. They'll bring in a fire squad of, and first responders and they'll show a car of a teenager right there in front of the school that was a victim of, of a drunk driving situation. And they'll cut that car out and they'll carry people off and they'll say, okay, this is what it looks like. Here's the road you're going down in prom in two weeks. Don't be simple, be prudent. It's not worth it to drink and drive. A couple of high schools you probably know or junior highs that you were maybe involved in, they had, what do they call them, egg babies or flower babies. You have to carry a bag of flour around for like a whole semester. For people to think, because some people, the simple think, it'd be kind of fun to have a little baby. <laughs> yeah, really? No one's called it fun. That actually do, but they're simple. They don't know better, so they make them carry around a, a bag of flour for a whole year. Because it's work is why. So the idea there is to show the consequences way ahead of time, and then the the simple can gain, gain wisdom. My three children. Com- all three children, completely different. I don't know where they came from, but my firstborn, Ryan, he was, um, uh, he was a little crazy uh, and impulsive. I don't know where he got that. But, and and he, he, would, he would learn, he would go down this way and, and too far, and he would learn things. And then Carrie was really stubborn and crazy in her way. She'd go down this way and learn some things the hard way. Our thirdborn, she picked up crayons when she was very young and just took notes. <laughs> she just watched where those two went and didn't go there. She's had a pretty good, easy life. Greatest need, greatest need is to learn. Look what it says. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Here's a, a, another translation if it helps. Leave your simple ways behind. Begin to live. Learn with good judgment. <laughs> People say they don't know what they don't know. You know what? Did you know you could know what you don't know? You can. You can know what you don't know. At Grace, at this church, when we plan things, it's called intentional living. It's the idea that you, you can actually know what's around the next corner, even though it's a blind corner. 
And so you need to be intentional about the way you live your life. You need to be intentional about your personality development. That every decade of your life, you're going to have to deal with emotional, you know, recalibrations, intellectual challenges, spiritual confrontations that you haven't had before, and even physical changes in your life. Don't be simple. Leave your simple ways. Be prudent. Right? In your spiritual development, <laughs> you can know what you don't know. Even though each and every one of us is so unique in the way that we were made and the way that we were raised and the positive and negative experiences that we have, we each need to find out a custom discipleship, brainwashing, reprogramming in light of who we are. There are passages that are written for you. Don't be simple about this. Don't be a simpleton. Be prudent. There's intentional marriage development. Okay, I know you don't know what you don't know, but you can know what you don't know. You know, if you've never been married before, <laughs> go to premarital counseling, right? Then you'll find out. Yeah, if you've never had a child before, this is your first child, go to square one. First time you've had teenagers, yeah, it's scary. Go to the class where we have parents of teens. Midlife in marriage, second highest divorce rate, okay pretty hard times, maybe you should go to a group of people that are already doing that. The point is, you don't have to be simple about your marriage development. You can have intentional marriage development. Okay? Because Lady Wisdom, friends, she has set out her table. She has brewed her wine. She has made her bread and says, come on, come and eat. Let's go. You can do that with parenting. Intentional parenting development. You have 18 years you know, to work with favor with God and favor with men and growing in wisdom and in stature. There's your four-point outline. Do it intentionally, right? Not accidentally. The, the whole point of being the simpleton, where it's just this side you know, of wisdom, just this side in the category of fool. The point is you don't have to be simple. You can be wise. You can look ahead and learn from other people. That's what he's telling us to do. Get wisdom. That's what he's saying. Now, on the other extreme, the farthest person over here, as bad as it gets, is this fellow right here. He's called the scoffer or the mocker, and he's trouble. And if you don't leave with anything else today, you be afraid of this person. They will destroy you. The first time I ran I, that I can remember is meeting a mocker was uh, on a blind date when I was in college, and I don't know why I called it a blind date. It was a dumb date. It was dumb for me to go. And uh, we were uh, walking down the drag at 24, uh, 26th and Guadalupe. You know there's that 7-Eleven there. If, you've, if you went to UT, you know the 7-Eleven's across the street from the Taco Bell. You were there, too, at 5 in the morning. So those two places are right there. But what's important to know is next to the 7-Eleven was a bar uh, called Raul's. Now, Raul's was the launch, the beachhead of punk rock in Austin, Texas, and maybe all of Texas, okay? And it's, it's a crazy group of people. It is the only place I go where I feel like I can dance and keep up with the rest of them because, because punk rock music is played so bad and so loud that you just slam into each other, and that, it's called slam dancing. Anyway, I mean, I was there when, when the, the urinals were playing and had a really great night, but this, this, is, this is the punk rock crowd, okay? So just keep in mind that we're next to Raul's. We're at the 7-Eleven. I'm on a blind date. 
and my date starts making fun of these punk rock guys. And there's four guys and two girls. And she's not making fun of them to me. She's making fun of them to them. And so, you know, if you, if you can read body language, they look like a group of people that would enjoy some violence later in the evening. <laughs> and so they start pushing back a lot. And then she turns to me and says, you need to defend my honor. And I said, you don't have any honor. I said, who picks a fight with six people who are minding their own business? I'm a very little person. And furthermore, I'm on their side on this. They just leave them alone. It was a very short date. It was a very long night. But I learned a lot about mockers. And then here's, here's what you need. I mean, to kind of catch the picture, right? They, they are destined for disaster, and they want to bring a lot of people with them. Okay? Mockers are destined for disaster, and they want to bring a lot of people with them. Here's their essential traits. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. Proud and haughty, they act with boundless arrogance. Okay? Don't, uh, don't be confused by kind of the style of the mocker. Sure, some of them are very proud and angry. Some of them are very vain and charming. They're still bullies. They still get their way. They still hate wisdom. They despise understanding. Okay, the hand sign for the mocker is this. And here's, let me tell you why. This is a great, this is a great hand sign. Because in, it goes back to a story in the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, the fourth commandment is you shall rest on the Sabbath. Have a great restful day on the Sabbath. And so much so that there's definitions of what it means to not work. Moses says... Uh, you shall not even kindle your fire throughout the dwellings of your house on the Sabbath day. Can't even have a fire. Why? Because you don't, you're not going to work that day anyway. So, you know, there's a Numbers chapter 15. The whole point, the big idea of Numbers chapter 15 is helping people understand the difference between intentional and unintentional sins. And in the story of unintentional sins, there's a list. And when it comes to intentional sins... They, they tell the story of a man that's out on the Sabbath collecting firewood. Now, collecting firewood is work, and he's doing it to start a fire, which is illegal. And so, in the original language, that sin is called a high-handed sin. Because you're just going like, you know, I know what the rules are, God, and I'm not going to do them. So, deliberate, intentional premeditated sin is high-handed sin. That's the hand sign of the mocker, okay? The real hand sign for most mockers is more like this, or should I do this? Because they're going to go to jail either from acts of violence or embezzlement or whatever because the laws don't apply to them. This is probably the single most visited person by the officers. Here's another essential trait, 29.8. Mockers set a city aflame. They burn it down. But wise men turn away anger. Mockers set a city aflame. They burn it down. They destroy businesses. They divide neighborhoods. They sabotage families. They Listen to me. They have power. They have power to destroy order. They love chaos. They dislike harmony and peace. 
and they bring that arrogance and power for the purpose of destruction. Mockers, scoffers, sometimes they're called narcissists. Don't, again, don't be thinking all the time anger or out front type things, especially as you get older, they learn how to be more manipulative and more conniving in getting what they need done. Okay, and here's, so in light of that description, right, of what a mocker is, what do you think the advice is for us in the wisdom book of Proverbs? Get out of there. Just get out. Get, drive them away or you get out. Verse 22:10. it says, throw out the mocker and the fighting goes too. The quarrels and insults, they'll just disappear. One or two people, one or two people in your neighborhood, on a staff, in the family, you move them out, and all of a sudden, peace and harmony, inner tranquility, trust and love is restored because they have that power, and when they are gone, all is better because darkness and evil lifts. It just goes away. And and harmony and trust are returned. And I think some of us, especially adults, you know this, in the power of of taking a bully off the playground. If you're a school teacher and there's not laughter on a playground, it's called a playground. And it's usually because there's a bully on the playground. And you take that bully out or his first lieutenant as well, and guess what? You start hearing the kids giggling again because they're safe. They can do it again. Some of you have had daughters in seventh and eighth grade. Hopefully they weren't the problem. But, But in their little tribe of friends, there's always contention. And often it's just one girl that just likes to stir it up because of her insecurity, whatever you can call it what you want, but the Bible calls it a, a mocker. And, and if that one person were to leave the group, if somebody were to come in and confront that person, usually they're cowards, and say, change or leave, if that happens, then all of a sudden it's back. Things are good again. Now we have symphony. Now we have music. Now we have trust. Now we have love. Without a doubt, first, on the the harshest lesson I have learned in the last two years, I'm speaking rather passionately here, clearly, the last 10 years has been this, this mocker thing. And the reason is, is because I had a naive and idealistic view of grace. You know I love grace transformed. You know that I believe that there's nothing more powerful than grace. The grace of God that gives us forgiveness, the grace of God that gives us his spirit, what cannot happen? And I just love stories about grace transforming. I, you know, I just love them. What I'm naive about, not so much anymore, is that pride is stronger than grace. Grace is not the most powerful thing. Pride is. We had a guy on, our, on a ministry team that was working in, in one of the ministry teams, and he was a mocker. He was a scoffer. He was a narcissist. And, and I just thought, in naivete, I thought, this is going to be an awesome story about the power of grace. Grace transforms, man. Let's watch. And so uh, we assigned him two mentors to confront him on his pride and some of the things that he was doing wrong. And then, and then on two occasions, I sat down with him and said, this is where you made a mistake, and this is how much it costs. Because he couldn't admit he was wrong, because that's what mockers are. So, I mean, at one time, I literally drew on a napkin at a restaurant and said, okay, here, here's what you were supposed to do. Here's what you didn't do. Here's everything in, in the middle. That's the chaos that ensued. That's on you. And he, he looked at me, and I looked at him. He looked at the napkin. He looked back at me. I said, come on, buddy. 
Just repent. Just repent. This is an easy place to repent. Just repent and then, like, watch it all happen. He, he never said a word. And that was the day the music died in my heart. Because I just, I felt, I had a value system and the value system was wrong. I thought grace was stronger than pride. And so I, I went to some of the other leaders and said, okay, pride is bigger than grace. I just, I can't, I mean, I feel like Superman just died or something, right? A hero was lost. And I said, so I think, here's what I think we should pray. Uh, he's off on a business trip. He'll be back in a week. And we pray that he comes back and repents and joins Celebrate Recovery or we get him out of here. And he came back and the Lord led him to another ministry. And so the Lord got him out of there. I don't think the Lord did. Uh, he called it that. And so he went to another ministry and guess what he did there? He burned it down. And then he went to another ministry. You know what he did there? He burned it down. Because that's what mockers do. I hope you're afraid. I hope, I hope you get the advice to people with mockers, and it's, you got to get them out because they can't change. I mean, look, look, here's what, how do you change a mocker? Here's the next little category. How do you change a mocker? In the Old Testament, there's not a single sentence that gives you hope because pride is greater than grace. Now, in the New Testament, you get some hope. And let me, here's how to change a mocker. Here's some rules in changing a mocker. One, you can't change another person that is a scoffer. Okay? You can't. So, that, like, don't even try. Don't even hope. I'm, don't even hope. So that's, that's on them. But what if you are the mocker? What if you're the scoffer? Now there's something that might happen. Okay, so let me ask you this. Has anybody ever told you that you were a mocker or confronted you on being a scoffer or said that you might be a narcissist? Not, they didn't say that out of spite, but they said it because they wanted you to understand who, like, you really are. Has anyone ever said that to you? And I'll say this, they were probably yelling or raising their voice, and you thought they were being mean, and you thought that you don't have to listen to that. I'm telling you that they probably were frustrated beyond, you know, control and felt like if they were louder, it might get through. So disqualify the volume letter, level and ask, answer the question, has anyone accused you of doing that? Now... Stop right here. What if it's true? What if you have a serious addiction to your ego? What if that's true? And now we, now we, now we know math, you know, pride is greater than grace. And let me put it another way. Repentance precedes revival. You can't get life change without repentance. That's how it works. 
grace transforms, pride locks the door. So if, if in your story you've heard those words of accusation and they are true, there's hope, but it starts with a significant expression of repentance. You have to learn to, what these words mean. I mean, it's not saying them. You need to learn to say these words, and you need to learn to know what they mean. I was wrong. I am deeply sorry for the injury that I caused. Let me explain that injury. And what do I have to do to make this right? That's not easy to do. I'm here to tell you that you can't do it alone. You need teamwork because you're going to need a team of people to help you understand what it means to say you were wrong and that you're terribly sorry about the injury that was caused and help you understand how to feel what you did to other people and then finally how to clean up the mess. You're going to need to be in celebrate recovery, pray for you like we prayed for you know, that ministry leader or, or in a 12-step program or see a professional counselor because... Because, in, because the 12 steps, if you don't know them, the 12 steps, they go, they go, after, they go after, they find the ego, and they beat it like to death. You know, it's the only way to be honest with the 12 steps. They find your entitlements, and they spread them all out and say, well, who cares? They're not yours to have, right? They find you out in your manipulative and conniving ways and say, bull, that's not true. That's the power of those steps is they're out to attack the ego. And so that's why you need, you need it for the number of people that can help you, and you need to, to, to attack this, and the 12 steps do that. While I'm in this happy thought, there's no recovery from this. Okay, you don't get better. You, I'm, you know, you were a mocker, and now you, you are always a mocker. You will always have this ego idolatry, right, and this addiction haunting you. You will walk your life with a limp. But that's okay. That's okay. Because, I mean, Jacob walks with a limp. He gets renamed Israel. And, we, you know, it's got a pretty good story that goes with that, right? A lot of saints, most saints, walk with limps. Um, what did Hemingway say? Life breaks everyone. And afterwards, many are strong in those broken places. But those who will not break, it kills. So there's two types of people, according to his Hemingway quote. They're the people that have been broken and the people that are going to die. Life kills everyone. Life breaks everyone. And where you were broken, you'll be stronger. And if you don't break, you'll die. So, here's the thing. Repent. Repent. Repent and be saved. Don't be the mocker. Here's, here's, what, here's what Proverbs is teaching us today. Hey, you simpletons, we're all simpletons. Stop your simple ways and grow wisdom. The mockers, two applications. One, fear them. Get them out. Get them out. <laughs> and if you are one, fear. Fear that idol worship, that addiction, and, and go get it. <laughs> right? Repent and be saved. That's not me. That is the wisdom of Solomon. 
the great King Solomon, coming to you so that you might live. Let's pray to that end, okay? Lord Jesus, I, uh, I lift up uh, our lives to you and our simple ways. I'd ask that you would find us a couple of examples just even this week where we might find ourselves kind of patting ourselves on the head saying, I, don't know, I didn't know that. And then we could learn from watching other people. Let us learn that way, Lord. Let us become wise by watching scoffers be beaten. And while we speak of mockers, Lord, I'd ask that uh, maybe this would be the Sunday that a proud heart is finally penetrated, that the reality of, of life as a narcissist might be heard by that very narcissist, and they might get help. They might uh, seek help. They might no longer deny the accumulating debt of their decisions, and they might see and be a story of the power of grace transforming. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.